Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? My mind automatically went to potted plants and thought about, okay, well, we have to keep transferring into bigger pots. And you're like, no, 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 plants in nature don't have a pot. And and immediately I just thought, oh, that is my default to like confine and create a structure around a life that then like the lobster shell or like the potted plant needs to be broken in order for something else bigger to grow. Hi, welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. This podcast is for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I am Jacqueline Misla. And on today's episode, Effie and I are going to talk about change. What do you do once you realize that it's time for something in your relationship to change? And right now, it falls colors are changing mm-hmm. it is very i well i do you have i don't know what's do you have autumn season where you are right now everything is turning all sorts of oranges and browns where i am beautiful yes uh, so so do we um interestingly actually just a fun fact um <laughs> that seasons are merging most of the time we're actually going to like a two season climate due to climate change we're going to be like summer and winter and fall and spring are shrinking and shrinking so it is really kind of sad yeah yeah so right now though i am fortunate i live right now in the middle of mandarin groves Mm. and there is massive change the mandarins are going from green to orange Mm. so not full orange Mm -hmm. but i kind of look outside my balcony and i see these like endless rows of mandarin trees and they're right now green like the renders are green and they're ripening so they're like turning orange and then this morning i was looking at them and some of them are just like turning and over the next month they're all gonna turn so all the trees are gonna be like filled with orange like round balls wow so that's gonna be interesting and then fall comes for us and then the the, the leaves will change to brown mm-hmm. like orange and then brown so this this message is not for you, Effie. It's for everyone who is quarantining inside of a studio apartment somewhere and who is mad at Effie's description. <laughs> you have permission. This is about permission and inspiration. You have both permission to either be mad at or inspired by Effie's balcony view. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. I so that is not what I see right now. I am. I am sorry, everyone. I am literally staring at the window and I see there's bars in the window and the apartment that I'm in is facing a garbage alley. So that's, that's, (laughs) (laughs) I would like to transport you over here, Jackie. We might make that happen at some point. I'm going to see if I can make that happen. One of the things though, that I love about autumn is Halloween. And mm-hmm. when this podcast episode first will come out, it will be the day before Halloween here in the United oh, States. Uh-huh. It's coming on the 30th. And so the 31st, and we have it, Halloween this year is on a Saturday, which is lovely because then you get the whole oh, day to, yeah, to like, do. now it's going to be strange because we are still social distancing. So if you're listening in on the future, we are still in 2020. <laughs> 
and we've there's been social distancing. There's a plague, just in case you didn't know that. It's just like a global plague, and we've been social distancing forever for years. And so, what they're doing in my neighborhood, I don't know if you've seen this or, or read about this. They're constructing the, these like uh, big pipes. Like, so every house now has these six foot like PVC pipes that become candy shoots. So you put your bag under the the PVC pipe and the person like shoots the candy down the PVC pipe. Wow. Socially distancing trick-or-treating? Yeah. Yeah. I have so many feelings about it. It's amazing. And then so so folks are like decorating it. So you can decorate it to look like a snake or like a skeleton or something. So it's like some scary Halloween thing. It's like shooting out candy. So we've been thinking about how does one incorporate their mask into their costume? So my daughter has decided that she is going to be, first she was going to be a bloody zombie nurse. Oh, nice. But now she's going to be a bloody, I don't know yet zombie, but bloodied child in a nightgown. Like just scary Halloween oh, scary. child in a white nightgown, you know, sporting a knife. Mm-hmm. And so we've thought about like, how do you incorporate the mask? How much blood is on the mask? Mm-hmm. Like before we were going to do the little like red cross on the mask because she was mm. going to be a nurse. But now I think it's just like a bloody handprint on the mask, perhaps. So there's a lot of like, how does one social distance quarantine Halloween conversation? Mm-hmm. happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say I command those dedication. I, those people who are this dedication to Halloween in general, that's like commendable. And honestly, the first thing that came to my mind when you were talking Halloween is like, how does trick or treating going to work? Because that's not very COVID friendly, Mm -hmm. but I love that people already thought this through and there's like now a (laughs) socially distant um, trick or treating (laughs) candy shoot. I love that. I love that that dedication to Halloween. It's amazing. I grew up in apartment buildings, so that wouldn't have been possible right now. I'm in a house and so that it's possible. I don't know how that will happen in an apartment building. I'm very interested. So I can tell you my own Halloween stories, but I'm, did you have Halloween growing up? Is that a thing? I didn't think so. No. So growing up early on, no, Halloween was not a a holiday that we celebrated, but US does an amazing job of exporting its culture. And one of those things that got exported is this idea of Halloween. And in the language that I grew up with, Halloween translates literally to witch's holiday like that's what that's what we call it like witch's mm-hmm. holiday uh, which i think is kind of interesting and we, we just watched it on tv like it was on movies the the fact that there was this one day a year where people got dressed up in like costumes and then there's always like murders happened right so that's the only context <laughs> of halloween that i know like people get dressed up in costumes and then somebody somewhere dies and then there's a, <laughs> there's a mystery that you have to solve or like I don't know. Halloween to me is always to do with like somebody dying mm-hmm. from social like, pop culture. That was that was Halloween. And then when I went to you know when I went to the school in the UK, we were too British to be doing American things, so <laughs> we didn't really do Halloween. But later on, like later on in my life in the UK, I think Halloween kind of made its way over the over the ocean, just because for commercial reasons. Mm-hmm. It was just commercial. Right, like pumpkins, costumes, exactly, yeah. and candy. Exactly. I know we spend so much on candy; it's crazy. Yeah. That crazy. makes sense. Yeah. See, I I was about to be offended that like your British boarding school looked down on us in such a way that they didn't celebrate. But that's just you know 
poo for you. Like Halloween was fun. And so <laughs> Yeah, no, I yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. And then we have Harry Potter, so I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then Harry Potter came along and that changed. <laughs> but you know, no, I didn't grow up with Halloween. I just knew it from this thing that happens on TV. You came from a religious background. Were you allowed Halloween? It depended on the year, honestly. So there were some years. Because that's a pagan holiday. It is. So there were some years where we like leaned into it. And I remember being, I mean, there were really wholesome things. I was like a, I wore like a poodle skirt, like a 1950s poodle skirt one year. I remember being like a hobo and wearing like, you know, a clown nose and my grandfather's like oversized, you know, button down shirts. And so I was like, it was sweet and, and, innocent I think um certainly growing up I was not my mother would not have allowed me to be a zombie nurse a zombie murderer mm. so would have been mm-hmm. a thing but there were definitely years when some you know the message from the pulpit was do not celebrate Halloween this year like the devil's extra active this year I don't know I don't know what like why some years were better than others I have no idea mm-hmm. but there were definitely some years where we would either go to the church and the church would have a simultaneous celebration so uh-huh. I remember one time going to church and we all had, like we got to dress up in costume but we all had to dress up like biblical characters uh-huh. And so, you know, we had to wear like hijabs and like, yeah. you know, like cover yourself up and like be like, you know, like if we were, it was 2000 years ago in the Middle East, you know, that's what we were uh-huh. wearing. And so no one I don't think was Jesus because I feel like maybe that would be sacrilege, but we were like mm-hmm. the apostles and like, you know, everyone was like, all the girls were like the only two or three girls that are ever referenced in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. One year was, it was like a, a harvest festival. And so you could sure. dress up like a scarecrow or mm-hmm. some sort of thing that felt harvesty. And so like there would be like themed nights at church that would be like a Halloween alternative. But then there were other times when my mom, my parents would just say, no, we couldn't do it. And I remember one year being old enough, too old to go trick or treating, but I have a younger sister. She's eight years younger than me. And my mom had just decided that day that she was not going to you know, trick-or-treating was not okay. And I like Mm. fought her on it. And I remember like making an outfit for my sister that day and like taking her out on my own. Like I was like, if you won't do it, I will. And I made her into a pirate. This was like the 90s. So like there was like pirate style shirt was like an actual thing. Do you remember that? Like the uh-huh. puffy shirt? So I like wore like I owned that just because, you know, I wore it. Was, it. it was on Vogue. Uh-huh. Exactly. So I put her in that and I made and I took like a stuffed animal uh, bird and I put it on her shoulder and I made her a pirate and we went trick or treating. Nice. But every year this year, since I've had my daughter every single year, I've tried to be oh, like a role model. For, mm-hmm. for Halloween. So I was Ruth Bader Ginsburg several years mm-hmm. ago. I've been Mother Earth. They've all been women too. I've been Wonder Woman. I've been Frida Kahlo. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, I was a suffragette. Mm-hmm. And so every year I've tried to choose something, which really annoys her actually. Like I've done this to be like, women are powerful. <laughs> women are amazing. And she's like, can't you just be a witch? Like, do you have to teach a <laughs> lesson all of the time? Uh, are you always yeah. trying to teach me something or can uh, we not just have fun? And so for a few years now, she's been asking me to be a phoenix. Mm-hmm. And she has said, it's not a woman, but it is powerful. Like it is powerful and it, it, you know, evolves to change and it, you know, it's bold and colorful. And she's like, it's like you, it's like you. And this year I decided that's what I was going to do. So I'm nice. going to be a phoenix for Halloween nice. this year. Yes. That's beautiful. Phoenix is my spiritual animal. Yeah. I yeah, like this, the, yeah, the phoenix. We talked about the phoenix. We talk about the phoenix a lot, actually. I do think that phoenix is a beautiful idea, um, and I can't imagine that you're going to come up with a beautiful costume 
I will post pictures on our Instagram. Yes. You can go to at We Are Curious Foxes or at Jacqueline Misla. I will post some Phoenix pictures on Saturday. Beautiful, beautiful. I do like, I do find it funny. Have you heard this idea that Halloween is a straight pride? <laughs> have you heard this? No. It's just what Dan, you know, it's what Dan Savage calls it, straight pride. It's like it's like one one day a year where straight people like dress up and get all sexy and they get a whole pass yes. for being like a slutty whole pass yes, for one day a year they're that? allowed to be. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's like slutty nurse or slutty doctor uh-huh. or slutty school teacher. Yes. Slutty whatever. Right. You're absolutely right. And I've always wondered like where did that you go? There's a shop here in this in New York called Ricky's where you could go and look at costumes and other things and yes there's just like shelves and shelves of like slutty slutty nun slutty minister like you're just like what anything yeah totally i I think i even saw i even saw slutty um bert and ernie costumes (laughs) i actually posted this on my facebook a couple of years ago i found them they were literally slutty bert and ernie costumes i was like what <laughs> but yes you can get slutty anything for halloween and a, a men or woman or identifying folk were supposed to be wearing the burt and ernie costume it's definitely cut for the f- to, to enhance a femme body <laughs> oh yeah yeah because so, aren't they gay they're like cis male gay puppets i think it came out like years or that's the rumor that's <laughs> just like their roommates but they're really close yes <laughs> and they don't date anybody else so i think you're supposed to come up with your own conclusion and i feel like years ago i feel like sesame street has validated this but i'm gonna have to do my research if you know this to be true then write to us and let us know but i straight pride permission to be sexy <laughs> that makes sense it's true. It's true. <laughs> which, which, you know, all power, to, you know, power to you people for, you know, at least when you say you're coming out as your like sexiest, hottest, sluttiest self. Good for you. Um, I just wish you, I'm sending you inspiration and permission to, you know, try it once a month rather yeah. than once a, <laughs> once a year and see what happens. But I've been thinking about this because I am very excited about dressing up. It is maybe this Are is... Are you a sexy a, phoenix? I am not a sexy phoenix. No, I'm going to be a regular... I don't know what a regular phoenix is, but no, I, I, <laughs> I feel like phoenixes are sexy by just by being. I agree. I agree. I have like a it's like a belly dancer skirt, so it's like very flowy Ooh. orange. Mm-hmm. I have I'm gonna wear feathers. I have like this big gold cape kind of wing mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very DIY. I'm gonna be painting some stuff and gluing on feathers. I'm excited about it. But it made me think because you and I have taught the conversation before about the Phoenix for you. And it actually goes into what we were talking about today around change because mm-hmm. I have often identified myself in thinking about change as a lobster. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't heard us talk about this on the podcast, a lobster, what happens is once they're, they start to outgrow their shell, they literally cram themselves in between like two rocks, right? Like a rock in a hard place. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, oh, it's time for some change to happen. I, I need to get unstuck from this, my shell. And they go through the process of cracking their shell open. They crack open their exoskeleton and their raw jelly body wriggles out. And they go and they hide behind another rock until their their exoskeleton can, their, their their shell can grow back and get hard again. 
And so they go from being to feeling too tight, to cracking themselves open, to then being so vulnerable that they have to hide, grow their strength again until they're ready to be strong and formed. And then they can go out into the world. And then they repeat this process again. So every time they feel too big for their environment, they crack open their skin in order to change. And I was like, oh yeah, that's me. Like anytime life felt like it was too tight, I just like cracked it open and then felt like a jelly mess. And then like rebuilt myself strong. And that was like a story of pride. Like I was like teaching this point. I was like coaching around this. I felt really mm-hmm. good about this, this analogy. And it was similar to the Phoenix one that you've described. Right, right. I mean, similarly, I have likened myself to the Phoenix in the way that I change, which is to kind of, you know, when when the time comes to burn it all down. And mm-hmm. and, and and again, like you, had pride in, in, in my ability to like, you know, push the, you know, go to the edges and do all the things. And then, you know, when, when it's right and when I have to um, be able to burn it all down without any kind of holding back or anything like that, without being attached to anything, just like burn it all down and then from the ashes I rise anew and start again was like my point of pride and you know I also you know told the story um often to people and 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 I have done it you know I have done it in in you know repeatedly like you in my life um, and then <laughs> one day, <laughs> and then one day, yeah. one day you're gardening. Yeah. 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 One day I'm gardening. And um, as I'm gardening, I realized that these violent ways that we describe um, change is not necessarily the only way that change happens. And I realized plants change, grow, expand, evolve but they do it ever so gently. They do it tenaciously. It's not that they're weak. It's not that they don't have ability to grow. Quite the contrary. They are tenacious. They are, you know, focused in their own way and they have a long journey. Um, From seed, they have to kind of like get out of a seed state and like climb their way up the earth towards the sun and then once they hit the sun they kind of have to like grow um but there's no drama like there is in in the phoenix and the lobster there is no this like you know cracking yourself open and burning things to the ground and then starting again they're just like nope <laughs> we're gonna do it day by day <laughs> we're gonna find oh, like the sun's over here now I'm just gonna lean over here just gonna exactly. move myself and gently right. lean in this direction. Right, right. Time to grow some yeah. flowers. I'm just gonna do that. I'm just gonna sprout yeah. some some flowers and some buds. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's beautiful. You know, there's drama in my beautiful flowers, but there's no drama in the process. You yeah. know, like don't you know, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like plants aren't extravagant, quite the contrary. Like some of these flowers that I'm seeing right now where I am, I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. I think there's drama in sort of the end process or the end, you know, the end result. It's just, there's no drama in the process. Yeah. Which is for us with the Phoenix and the Lobster, there's like drama in the the process. (laughs) I remember when you first told me this story, you like still had like dirt under your fingernails. (laughs) And you you were like, I just realized we... (laughs) 
are thinking about this and we're so violent. And you're like, why don't we do this? And I was like, why aren't we doing that? And then I remember you said, you're like, and a beanstalk, like a beanstalk can continue to grow and grow and grow. And all it needs is something to lean against. Like Jack and the Beanstalk is about the fact that it can grow into the sky if it has something to buttress itself against. And you're like, it's like our community. If we're surrounded by the right people, we could keep growing. And I just like that blew my mind in that moment. <laughs> my whole life shifted. Yeah. Yeah, I think my mind was also blown at that moment. I was like, why am I doing it this way? And um, like, there is another way. And I, and I, you know, watch this, watch, and I, to this day, like right now, I'm very fortunate enough to be in nature and I look around and again, like there's drama, but it's, it's, it's done in this like gentle way. And, you know, like, oh, the sun, oh, the weather, we're just going to go with the flow and expand and grow in this like beautiful way. So I think there are different ways of of doing change. And I think there are ways to do it gently. And I think there are ways to do it extravagantly and, and, you know, at times violently. Maybe just being aware of it might be might be worth considering. Yeah. Not necessarily changing it if unless it like you feel like you need to change it, but just aware of it that change doesn't have to happen one way. Yes. Yes. And that we all do go through those cycles of change, right? That we all go through moments where we realize that the life that we have doesn't fit us anymore because we have grown like the lobster, right? That we don't have to break, break ourselves open, but you all like the plant that often plants have to be repotted over time because mm-hmm. their roots grow longer, you know, their needs grow bigger. And I remember at some point, this was a few months ago, I was having a conversation with my wife and saying, you know, I feel like I just need a change. I feel like, like, again, like everything around me is too tight. There's too this, too that. And she was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, but you don't understand. Like, my, mm-hmm. you know, I need to like grow and I need to get big. And she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, help me understand like why this is not phasing you. Like, I'm going through a thing here. She's like, you go through that thing like every two years. <laughs> like every two years, like you don't understand. I need to change. And she's like, this is just like, I don't know why you believe that this is rare for you or for anyone, but everyone. And, and it's true. I mean, my work centers around navigating through change, both with mm-hmm. people and, and with organizations. And there is something about each time still it feeling like a surprise. Like Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with a client recently and they were saying, I can't wait till I get to a point where I don't have to feel X anymore. You know, where I feel just at peace, where I feel at peace with myself, where I feel at peace in the relationship. And like, there's no more changes, like nothing. And I was like, yeah, that's, that is never going to happen. To feel that that sense of joy, peace, and content. It's like feeling, it's like hunger. You have like, at some point you feel full. And you're like, man, I feel great. I can't, in fact, I can't eat another bite. And then like a few hours later, you're like, st- I have to eat something. I'm starving. And it's the same way. Like you feel really good and at peace with your life. And then at some point later, you're like, things now need to change. Mm-hmm. Again, I do think that, you know, yes, you said about, you know, plants need to get repotted. In nature, though, they don't, right? They just kind of grow out, spread out, climb up. Fair. And they kind of find their way into growth and change i think Mm. the difference between the way that we're describing it and the way that the plants do it is continuous awareness and continuous adjustment little by little rather than maybe the way that we do it which is to almost like hold our breath Mm -hmm. it's like we would tolerate 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 and then we kind of like you know, either burn it down or crack open our, our like too big shell because we haven't been paying attention yes. along the way or we've been paying attention to other things and not ourselves to our inner voice, to our discomfort or, you know, our 
pain and suffering. And, and, and I think we do have that tendency, like we push forward, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of, you know, we decide, we put something, you know, we get something in our heads and we just push por- forward regardless. And sometimes, you know, we've done this with our work and we'll, you know, we'll talk about that. And I think that's kind of us being focused people who want to do things. And I think sometimes we don't pay attention to like that inner voice enough, like continuously. We don't have, let me put it this way. Maybe we haven't got a good practice of listening so that by the time that we hear it, it's loud and screaming at us. And it's like kind of an emergency and there's drama and we need to like, you know, like, you don't understand, I need to change. Or I'm like, well, I'm leaving, you know, I'm immigrating again, you know, and I'm like drowning in paperwork because I've decided to immigrate to a new country that I, you know. Um, and I think the way that the plants do it, they kind of just like in touch with their environments. They know, you know, they know the sun's going to come up the next day. They know their nutrition comes from the earth. And they kind of just like in this flowy, you know, state of like, do, just being i i mean i you know i imagine i can't in fact i can't imagine anything more mindful than plants mm. they're literally part of nature like they are nature you know so i think that's the big difference between yeah plant growth mm-hmm. that plant change is like little by little and continuous in this flowy practice yeah no that versus, makes sense to me versus like the way we do it is like kind of some I wonder I do wonder if it, if it comes from us not being in a practice of being in touch with ourselves yeah and you know it's interesting because as you say that my mind automatically went to potted plants and mm-hmm. thought about okay well you have to keep transferring into bigger pots and you're like no 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 plants in nature don't have a pot and and immediately I just thought oh that is my default to like confine and create a structure around a life that then like the lobster shell or like the potted plant needs to be broken in order for something else bigger to grow. And I think the awareness I'm getting in this moment is stop confining it, like stop putting myself (laughs) in a pot, right? Like be out in the world, be out in nature, allow for expansive growth. And I think that that's that's part of the challenge. If we're going to dig into what makes it challenging when personal growth then results in relationship growth. Mm-hmm. Part of that first piece is not giving ourselves permission, if you will, to think about our growth as expansive, as that anything mm-hmm. is possible. When we mm-hmm. make vows to someone, when we are promising things, when we you know, are having pillow talk and we're saying you and only you forever, that is the, that is the pot that we are putting our plant mm-hmm. in, at which point then we have to say, well, actually... Mm-hmm not forever or not only you or not this or not that, that we are building out, we construct these confines. And what I hear in, in this dialogue, and I think is awareness for me, is part of the, the initial change that needs to be happening for us is to not create a foundation that will have us feeling tight, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think the first step is to allow ourselves to believe that anything is possible mm-hmm. in our relationships and in our growth. And if we set our relationships in that possibility, then growth doesn't feel so destructive. Right. I I agree. I think if you just almost accept that the change is going to happen and you kind of stay in, almost staying aligned with it, I think it's just like accepting that change is going to happen. Like the only constant is change Mm -hmm. and that you you remain aligned to it rather than you avoid it or you don't pay attention to it and then so when it comes you're just like whoa what's happening you know Mm -hmm. and I think also you know we talked about this before 
you know, if you think about this in a, in a sort of relationship with your partner or your partners, we have a tendency to cash the brain the human brain has a has a tendency to cash things just like our computer does right we have a way of caching things meaning we sort of write things to memory and so the brain doesn't have to like recreate its environment over and over and over and over and over again right so mm-hmm. for example a lot of the time my brain our brain caches our the layout of our home or that's why you can find your way around in the middle of the night at, you know in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. night in a pitch black apartment right you know exactly mm-hmm. what, like you know you might bang your knee but you know most of the mm-hmm. time you can actually sort of walk around your apartment fairly mm-hmm. safely if you're you know, in the middle of the night in the dark it's because the brain has a habit of caching things so that also goes with your partner your partners right so this is the typical you know the typical story of somebody comes home with a new haircut and their partner or partners don't have a clue of what's going on right and they're just like you don't love me you don't notice me right sure and that's it's it's, a, it's because the brain has cash the other person mm-hmm. and you don't it's not coming from a refreshed place mm-hmm. and and we do that about ourselves too like we tell the same stories about ourselves over and over again especially i mean we notice this all the time because we're meet, meeting new people all the time we're doing you know we do podcasts and you know we coach so a lot of the time we're pulling far from our own experiences and we tell our own stories over and over and over again and everybody does that mm-hmm. so in a way we cash ourselves and then we cash our partners. So, and that doesn't, that that's not helpful for change. That's not helpful. If you want to want to be, if you want to remain aligned to change and evolution and, and, you know, within yourself and within your partner, Yes, you know, so I think it's, it's what I'm saying about like, it's a practice. Like it's a practice of checking in with yourself, checking with your partner, your partners of like, where are you today? What are your hopes and dreams today? What is your pain and suffering today? What's bringing you joy today? And like, mm-hmm. clear cash, clear cash, clear cash, mm-hmm. refresh. I love that. I love that. Because even though we are talking about how change is natural and we need to think about all things that are possible, change is really hard. Change is hard personally, change is hard in relationships. And so let me just name the reason why I focus on change in, in my profession is because I hate it. <laughs> I I often lean into things that I do not like. The reason why I am on the Curious Fox podcast right now is because when I was going through the open up process, it was so painful that I, I researched everything I could and met with Effie and learned everything that I could. And because when I when something feels uncomfortable, my instinct is to lean into it. And so so the, I love what you're saying. The first piece of recognizing why change is hard is because our brains are designed to keep us safe by keeping yeah. things constant. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. even though familiar. change is constant, right, exactly, that our brain want to believe that things that are familiar are good for us and safe. Mm-hmm. And so changing what we think about ourselves, I used to say all the time, I don't cry. I don't cry. I don't feel big thing. I don't this. I don't that. I don't that. And as I started to go through this journey of really getting to know myself better, there was a lot of feelings and I was a lot of crying. And each time I'd be crying and be like, I can't, this is so strange. This is just, this is not like me. I don't, I don't know. What's going, I must be PMSing. I don't. And I would like look at the app and I'm like, well, I'm not PMSing now. So I don't know what's going on. It's just the moons and the stars. And I realized like, oh, these are feelings. I'm feeling things now. I didn't feel things before. I had a survival. Now I'm now I am. And I had to stop saying that, that I don't cry. There's so many things that I've had to stop saying. Like I like one of the things that I'm mindful now is I constantly call myself an overachiever. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of pressure to put on myself. Mm-hmm. I need to stop saying that. And so I think what you're to your point is if you said to yourself, I am straight. <laughs> I am monogamous. I am this. I am a I am a mother first. I am a this. I am a that. And now some of what you're feeling feels like it is pushing up against that story. Mm-hmm. That's okay to change your story. It's okay to change mm-hmm. who you are. And one of the things you'll learn over time is to stop, and I'm still learning this, to stop telling stories about yourself. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I find a really good, really good, um, I think we might have already talked about it, but I'll put it out there again. A really, really cute little hack that I use is when I make definitive statements or when I hear somebody make a definitive statement, Mm -hmm. I will just say sometimes afterwards. Mm, It makes a massive, it makes a huge shift in your brain. You know, like earlier you were like, you're like, you're so smart. I was like, sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's just like it's, and it's true like it's true sometimes i am and sometimes i'm not any kind of definitive statement um i do like if, if it makes sense i'm i'm i'll just throw in there sometimes mm-hmm. and that goes for like compliment that's goes for criticism especially myself like my internal critic which is harsher than a michelin critic you know mm-hmm. um is like you know i will say you suck and i'm like sometimes you know, so I will recommend to people to try when you're making definitive statements, um, like when you're like, I'm an overachiever mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. So one of the reasons that change is really hard is because we have crafted stories in our minds about ourselves mm-hmm. or about our partners or about our relationships. And now the idea of having to tell a new story or living in a new story feels really difficult. I think another thing that makes change really difficult is this idea of sunken cost of the amount of time or effort or resource that you've put into something. There are a number of times where I've had conversations with people who they are not in a good place in their relationship. And I have a private conversation with one of the members of the the relationship and say, well, why you're not happy? Why are you leaving? Like, do you know how much time I put into this? Mm -hmm. Do you know all that? That person is who they are because of me. Someone Mm -hmm. else should not get the benefit of all of my hard work. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear that so often. This many years in a marriage, this many years in a relationship, this many assets collected together, we have children together. You start to list out all of the reasons that are holding you to this thing, even if you're not happy with it, and all the sunken costs that you have poured into something. And that can hold someone back from walking Mm -hmm. away from it. For sure. Absolutely. I've heard this so many times from clients from friends from family i think it has two sides to it i think one is that because we've invested this much time like the sunken cost Mm -hmm. i think it's also fear of that you're not going to get something new like Mm -hmm. all your efforts have gone into this and then like you haven't gotten you you have to start again with a new person you have to start again with yourself Mm -hmm. i think it's it's those two things combined like i already invested all the stuff effort energy you know time all the things and then you know and I don't want to let that go and then the sort of the like the adjacent to that feeling is I think also like oh I have to start all over again mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like putting you know start you know starting with an empty piggy bank and you're putting your coins in there now some people love that some people the idea of I'm going to start fresh I'm going to be in a new relationship I'm going to be in a new city I'm going to be in something new 
And then you realize that wherever you go, you, you are also there. So there you are. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. This idea, right, that you're going to start new, I think does really excite some folks. And then you realize that your old patterns, old behaviors, old ways of thinking have have joined you in this new relationship. But to, mm-hmm. your, to your point, I think the fear of the unknown. So there is the balancing of I've invested all this time and energy. I have cashed this. I know this person, this relationship, mm-hmm. like the back of my hand. Do I want to give that up for the unknown? What if I'm not with someone else? What if I don't get loved? What if I can't find sexual compatibility with somebody? What if I don't have that spark and now I'm alone and, and going through that? Or my or I've opened up my relationship and now my partner is engaged in other things that they really are enjoying and I'm sitting here by myself. And the fear of that, there are different things that motivate us in terms of change. There is push motivation and pull motivation. Push motivation is when your particular situation feels so uncomfortable so either abusive, so uh, misaligned, so something that you have to get out. I got to get out of here. I'm done now. You right? You're you're you would burn everything down and you would rise from the ashes. Pull motivation is when something else is drawing you towards it. There's someone else. There's another job opportunity. There's something else. And oftentimes, when I'm working with folks, I share out that if they begin to expand out their circle and their community. And start to be around things that bring them joy. If they are in a situation where they can't think of something, where the fear of the unknown, there's nothing out there for me. If you start to spend time with other people and going to other events and doing other things, little sparks of pull motivation will come. And you'll be like, oh, that mm-hmm. person's interesting. Or that thing was fun. Mm-hmm. So just one little thing around, you know, fear of unknown is because we have likely limited our perspective about what is possible. Sure. So we need to be re-exposed Yeah. I would add the fear of the unknown is also fear of what you think that you know. Mm. Meaning you have made up in your mind what the thing is and you have a fear around it. That Mm -hmm. you, you know, the example I give to people, you know, every now and then I'll meet someone and be like, I they're like, I don't I don't want to be in a relationship ever. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to be in a relationship. I'm not that's not for me. Relationships aren't for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm often like, it's very unlikely. Humans are born to relate. We are wired for connection. It is very unlikely that you don't want to be in a relationship ever, ever, ever. There, listen, there are some people, sure, unlikely though. Um, and if you dig a little bit, what you'll notice is they have an idea of what a relationship is and that's what they don't want. Mm. So they, you know, that's what they're sort of saying. I don't want to say I don't want to be in a, a relationship. They have an idea of a type of relationship. Right, I don't and that's want that. not what I want that, right? Similarly with non-monogamy scares me. I don't want non-monogamy. I don't want non-monogamy. And then you're like, okay, sure. It's not for everyone. Absolutely not. Yes, I'm the first person to admit that. And then you kind of go, okay, well, let's just, you know, talk about it a little bit. And then you realize they have a version of non-monogamy in their head, in their head, which really, really scares them. And they, that's what they're reacting to. So there's like the fear of the unknown, like, I don't know what's coming. And then there is like fear of what you think, you know, or like mm-hmm. the fear of what a part of you is certain of, yes. you know? And then in that place, there is no room for, unless you really sort of look at it and address it, there's no room for creativity there's no room for tweaking things, aligning things. There's this like the scary thing that you think is going to happen and you can't think of another version of that. And mm-hmm. it scares you. You're just not aware that you kind of have a fixated, fixated idea of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's another reason why people are sort of scared of change. 
I think it's completely true. And let me and let me just normalize that. That I don't again, I don't want to project it out like this is what some people this is what I've experienced. No, it, it very normal. Very, very normal. When I when I opened up, you know, I, I entered into my marriage, my second marriage, and it was open and I was excited. I brought it in. I'm like, we're gonna do this thing and it's gonna be great. And then the way in which it happened destroyed me. Like I really felt devastated by, you know, there was emotional infidelity that crept into the relationship and it that's how we opened up was via this thing that had already been going on on my wife's side. And I then thought, well, this is what it is. This is the idea now of what opening up is to me. It's pain. It's dishonesty. It's discomfort. Mm -hmm. And so then when my partner a few months ago started dating somebody, I was like, this cannot happen. I have been through this before. Like, this is not good. This is not going to end well. And to your point, I was like, I know how this story ends. I've already written the story in my mind. I am now going to live out this story, which is she is going to be more engaged than this other person. It's going to have a negative impact on our relationship. Our relationship is going to melt down. Like, I had to find it out already and, and was just kind of walking through the path that was already assigned and prescribed to me. And I think, you know, some conversations with you helped me realize like, okay, <laughs> it doesn't have to end that way. It doesn't have to be that way. But I share that story to say that we are talking about this from a place of experience and a place of constant plant-like growth, if you will, and trying yeah, to, yeah. to grow and to adapt along the way. Sure. Also, it's very difficult to be creative when you're afraid. Fear and creativity don't really live in the same place mm -hmm. that when you are, you know, when you're really in sort of triggered and, you know, afraid of something, when you're like in the, in the arms of fear of the unknown or the, the any of that kind of like, env like enveloping fear, it's not where your creativity lives. It's literally on the brain where fear and creativity live are, are like different parts of the brain and mm -hmm. one shuts down the other. Mm -hmm. When you're triggered, your amygdala essentially bypasses your frontal lobe, your neocortex, where like reasoning and creativity, live, you know, like all those like, you know, mm -hmm. ideas live, it literally bypass, like jumps over that and goes straight into your nervous system and activates you. And you are, you know, you're doing fight, flight, freeze or fawn. And mm -hmm. in none of those things have creativity in them. They are action oriented. They're not where dreams live. They're not where creative problem solving lives. They're not where empathy lives. Like all those things that would really help you to imagine all the, the ways in which you can, you know, evolve and change and adapt and go with the flow and, and sort of imagine all the different ways where you might be able to thrive in this very particular situation, you have access to none of that. Mm -hmm. So that's the other part. It's like, yeah. it's very, and I'm saying that just to, to um, echo that, to normalize the situation, mm -hmm. like being, being afraid and being stuck and fixated on these ideas is very normal, very human. It's, it's neurological. Like it's just how the brain works. Yeah. Okay. So let's do this. There, there are three steps to navigate through change. And I want to mention them quickly because then I want to, I want us to keep going down this path of why that feels so difficult to do and what mm -hmm. it is that we need to do to change that. So, you know, here's your expert advice from a change strategist. You know, you're going to get all of my coaching in, in, in two minutes right now. You're getting <laughs> the Jackie special. But essentially, if you're going to navigate through change, first you have to vision out what the possibilities are. Mm -hmm. Then you determine what do you need to learn or do differently in order to travel down this new journey? If I am here and I want to get there, what do I need to know? What do I need to do to go from here to there? And then the third thing is you surround yourself by the right people and the community to help you in the journey. 
That's yes. those are the three things. Now, those three things take year, <laughs> years years. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wanted just to name that because I think what you're sharing is so important that in order for us to even get to a place of visioning what is possible, mm-hmm. you have to just make room for a little bit of light to go into mm-hmm. that place of darkness and fear. Sure. A little bit of permission and, and and inspiration and possibility has to crack open into that space because what ended up happening, for example, when I was rooted in fear was that all I could see was what I would be losing. One of mm-hmm. the difficulties and changes, we start to put on rose-colored glasses and we look back and we're like, all those times we laughed together and all those times we made love and all the times that this and that. And I remember having conversations with you and you're like, yes, absolutely, 100%. And remember how you talked about this other thing? Remember how that thing bothered you? It was annoying. And I was like, yeah, that's true. That's true. And you start to forget some of the things that you that didn't fit you in the relationship that you now have the possibility of addressing and changing and adapting to grow into grow with you to who you are. But you gotta let a little bit of light in, a little mm-hmm. bit of possibility into that fear. For sure. I think what comes to mind for me immediately is Brené Brown's work about courage. Yes. That that fear is going to be there. We're wired to fear change and to fear the unknown. That's just how the human brain has evolved. It's going to take courage to kind of acknowledge the fear, regulate yourself, kind of process the fear and find that calm place where you can like tap into that frontal lobe that you can be creative and you can dream and you can think of all different possibilities. You can be adaptable and you can find your, you know, tap into a sense of self and all those things. You know, it takes courage. I think one of the most important qualities that make change possible is courage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And only with that, that you're able to be, you know, get to that place where like change feels like an opportunity, not scary. Yeah. So if you've gone through the midst of this quarantine and you've learned things about yourself and you're like, I'm not going to be the same person that I was before. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know how to tell that to my family, my parents, my friends, my partner, myself. This is this is the conversation that we're talking to you right now. I mean, yeah. I'm talking to me right now. I think we've keep going through changes. And it's the first step to your point is how do you give yourself um, permission first to realize that change is hard and then start to vision mm. out what, what is possible for yourself. Sure. I love the framework that you've given us in the past around thinking about what do I want to preserve? What do I want to create? And what do I want to avoid? Mm. It is it is a touch tree that I continue to go back to. It is like one of those like wise, like moments the same way that you, when you came to me with dirty fingernails and said, I need to tell you about change and plan. (laughs) Tell me about preserve and create and avoid. It really was something that, that made a difference in my life and in my relationships. And that I think is a beautiful way for people to think about what do I want? What do I want to create? It's new. What do I want to preserve of what I have? And when, what don't I want anymore? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good ones. I think, by the way, I just want to anchor this in, you know, change is global, meaning like in all the areas of, of our lives. I think a lot of the sort of the change that our, our listeners often experience, and I definitely, most of my clients is this sort of change in relationships. And a lot of the time is changed from monogamy to non-monogamy and the fears that we mention around that are very similar. I want to just mention those because I think by I think when we name it, people will be, feel like, oh, I'm not the only one, you know, like fear of that you're going to be a man abandoned and your partner is going to find, you know, connect with somebody else and leave you behind. 
feeling that you're not enough, feeling that what you have isn't special, right? Those are real fears and those are real things that, that come up. And when you are in that place, when you're, when you're coming from that place, it's very difficult to vision out what actually might be possible with non-monogamy that you know what are some of the things that you can really create with it you know and what are the things that actually you might not you know things you can preserve like it's a you know you can preserve very special relationships if you're non-monogamous you know the, your, your existing relationship that feels very special you can definitely preserve that you know all the things you can create with it I think it's you know it's worth thinking about just dreaming about it it doesn't mean you're committing to it but just mm-hmm. if you can do the exercise of at least thinking of one thing that you can create mm-hmm. with non-monogamy that could improve your life that could get you to a maybe a curious place that can get you to a piece of you know a bit of growth mm-hmm. you know exploration just like see if you can find if you can imagine just think up dream up one mm-hmm. thing that is not to say now you change now you go and be non-monogamous but that is to almost like an acid test to yourself like mm-hmm. am i in that wise mind place am i in that place where i can like problem solve am i in that place where i can be adaptable and creative right mm-hmm. if you can't think of a single thing you might not be that because you can come up with you can come up with one thing at least one thing so let me ask a question does that mean for example thinking about one thing that if I was in a monogamous relationship and I started to think, what would it be like to kiss somebody else or to flirt with somebody else or to be touched by someone else and not think about what the impact of my relationship would be, not think about what my partner is doing, but would that feel, would that, does that light me up at all? The idea of someone flirting with me or kissing me or touching me or having long, deep conversations well into the night with somebody else. You're saying, give yourself permission and space to imagine that out. Exactly, exactly. Or even simple things like what it would be like for you to have the house all to yourself because mm-hmm. your partner's out of the house and mm-hmm. like doing what, you know, something that they are enjoying and there's no guilt, there's no, you know, worry. They're taking care of themselves and, you know, having fun and you have the house all to yourself. Yes, because the next step, it once you get a sense of, okay, this would feel good for me, this is something I'd want to explore, then is when you start to connect the dots, well, where am I now? And where is that vision? Mm-hmm. And what are the things that I need along the way? What are the communication tools that we need to build up? Where are there some gaps in terms of our trust that we need to shore up? What are the things, the steps that we need to take to get from here to there? That's that journey that you go on. Mm-hmm. And then you start to surround yourself by the people, the coaches, the community. You could certainly leverage Curious Fox for that to help you down that journey because the more people that that you are connected with that help you see what's possible and help you build those skill sets the more likely that vision that you have dreamed can become a reality for sure absolutely absolutely and or not mm-hmm. but at least you went down the path and you've explored yes and you you know you you did your due diligence and you put your effort in and now you know the thing that i desperately prayed for you know, when I was in my first marriage 15 years ago, did not happen. And thank God for that. And the thing that I prayed for five years ago in my second marriage when we were struggling didn't happen. And thank God for that. Like mm. the things that I was committed to trying to do never meant, did not manifest in that way. And the process of the journey got me mm. to a place that was so much better than I expected mm. it to be. And it doesn't mean that everything is easy right now. It mm. just means it is much more aligned with who I am in this moment than the person five or 10 years ago was. 
that yeah. vision for me doesn't fit me anymore. And so mm. part of what I'm creating is just space to grow and space for my vision to grow for who I am. And you just sure. continue to surround yourself by good people, build the skill sets mm. and just continue to be open to it. Mm-hmm. For sure. In its first two years, Curious Fox had a strap line of, uh, we use the quote from J.R. Tolkien, not all those who wander are lost. Mm. That was our strap line for first two, maybe even three years, two years, first two years. And it was about the journey. It was about people on exploration, people growing along the way and exploring and finding new things and kind of going with the flow of, you know, change and curiosity and that's kind of, I think that's, you know, this, everything that we just talked about mm-hmm. makes me go, huh, yeah, that's kind of where we started with this. Yeah. And that's where we're continuing to go in Curious Fox. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the bits yeah. of a little bit of a wander right now. So we have decided based on lots of counsel, based on looking at the data, based on having conversations in the community, that we are actually moving away from doing events. What? It's the right decision. It's the right decision. It's the right decision. I have no doubts anymore. Yeah. I mean, it took us a few conversations, you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For to get sure. to the place of convincing. Because it was, yes. well, and it, or just realization, because that's the, or, that's the, the origins of Curious Fox started with, you know, basement events in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. the community built from zero to 10 people to now hundreds of thousands of people yeah. across yeah, podcasts, across email, across social yeah. media. It is crazy. Yeah. And every week you have gotten used to us saying, here's the educator and join us on Wednesday in the virtual yeah. curiosity salon. And we're not going to do that anymore. And now. Yeah. And just to just just as a just to put it out, we did this every week. We've been this year, pretty much all of this year, pretty much entire COVID. Mm-hmm. We decided right at the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. that we were going to remain connected to our community, mm-hmm. that we we're going to continue to serve our community. And we're going to make most of the fact that we are now all on online. We're all on virtual. We're all online. And we came up with this idea of the virtual curiosity salon. And we realized that we can actually connect to all the wonderful, amazing speakers that we only mm. dreamt of mm. that they were not physically in New York and that our community that could only be in the room because they were in New York or in you know wherever within you know within reachable distance to, to wherever we're doing our events we were like you know what COVID sucks let's make the most of it and we came out with the virtual curiosity salon and we hosted events every single week mm-hmm. almost every single week since the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. every Wednesday over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to take a hiatus in August. We didn't. I think we ended up taking like one week hiatus. Mm-hmm. We kept going. We kept going. And um, even when you moved, when you went to a different continent and your exactly. time zone shifted dramatically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was getting up at 3 a.m. Uh, in the morning to show up for the events. Mm-hmm. And we did it. We did it. And I think we did it. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we met so many new educators we covered so many new topics it was the right decision at the time yes it was the right decision it was it was the it was the right decision i'm I'm convinced of it and our community grew in ways that we didn't we couldn't otherwise Mm -hmm. we have now folks from australia and europe Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. south america literally all around the world which people that would never be able to get to our content otherwise Mm -hmm. so i think those are all the right decisions and i think it was it was also hard it was a hard 
production cycle. We were trying to like make sure that we, you know, the, because we are sometimes overachievers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we wanted to like make it the best that we could. And we wanted to align it with our blogs and with our podcasts and, you know, with our emails and wanted to make sure that we give this like holistic all around mm-hmm. experience for those who listen, who those who read, those who watch, those who attend. Those two things are so important to us. And we did it and we did it and we did it. And sometimes like the way, like, like we mentioned at the beginning, like kind of almost like because we can, because we put our mind to it. Mm -hmm. And I think having done it and, you know, put the effort in, we've also come to a place to like, okay, maybe it's not, it's not the right thing to do anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Both from a place of, I think people are just experiencing Zoom fatigue and are just not interested in being online anymore, ourselves included, frankly. And we have, if one thing we've learned in our life is that we are meant to follow our curiosity. And the thing that that you and I are curious about right now don't live on Zoom. It lives Mm -hmm. in this podcast. It lives in our writing. It lives in some of the work that we're doing one-on-one with folks. And so we want to lean more into that. We, We get weekly emails and DMs from folks who talk about the power of the podcast. And so we want to do different and new and creative things every week. So we will still be here every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to do for now and then we're gonna, you know, yeah. changes. and we're going to continue to write and we're going to be updating our, our website and creating more resources there mm-hmm. so that people can more easily access the information that they, that they want and are looking for based on their curiosity. So we're really excited mm-hmm. about the next steps. We're going to continue to have guests. We are. And we're going to continue to do interviews. So as much as we know that you love our voice, it's not <laughs> going to be just our voice because we're also curious about other folks and what they have to say. Mm-hmm. So that's going to carry on. So really, we're just taking an, I want to say, an indefinite hiatus from events. Because mm-hmm. I have a feeling events are not going to go away because we are a community and we do need to find places we can congregate and connect and get to know, you know, continue to get to know one another and support each other and meet new people. So we're not going to be doing no events ever till the end of ages. Um, We're just not going to do the vigorous schedule that we've kept up for the last eight months, nine months. Mm -hmm. And we're going to kind of still do the socials where we can connect with people. And um, we'll probably, once COVID is over, we'll probably attempt another Consider This, which we love. Mm -hmm. So it's they're not going away forever and ever and never to be seen again. It's just not going to be our main focus from now on. And we'll figure out, we're going to, we're thinking of a lot of fun ways to continue to connect with people. If you are a Patreon member and you contribute and support us via Patreon, then we have some fun ways that you are going to get extra benefits via the podcast and other ways of connecting with each other, with us. And so we're changing too. We're evolving. We're changing like a plant. Like a plant. Yeah. <laughs> We're reacting to our environment. We're reacting to, you know, what's available to us, what nurtures us. Mm-hmm. And we are gently growing towards a new expression of our work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we want to add a new segment to the podcast, which is our soapbox segment. And really, this started because I am wildly amused by the things that make Effie mad <laughs> and constantly like it's almost like a party trick where we'll be out somewhere and I'm like ask Effie about squirting and then I just like watch 
what happens because I just am so amused by how annoyed she is. And so as we were thinking about how to continue to enhance our experience with you on this podcast, we thought we should really talk about those things. There are so many mm-hmm. soapbox topics that we just have like a lot to say about whether or not we have the right. No, we do have the right because we get to decide what we want to, what Whatever we believe we in. Opinions are that's right, and this is our podcast. Damn it! So we <laughs> we've decided that we're going to have soapbox moments, and I think because I brought it up, we should talk about squirting. Now I think that we have to start oh. off squirting. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with squirting. Here's the thing with squirting: um, <laughs> it is a party trick. This is how I feel about it. It's a party trick. It is, by the way, it's it's female ejaculation. Like squirting is female ej- ejaculation. It's when um, liquid that is essentially a mixture of a little bit of pee and other things um, that kind of somewhere between seep and squirt out of a vagina is what squirting is. And there are ways of making somebody squirt. You can like, there are, I don't even want to. There are online courses about squirting. Don't She's like, I'm not even going to tell you how to do it. That's how exactly. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. And there, you know, it's not. It's just a party trick, and it's been a trend. It's been like sex also has trends, by the way, and it's been a trendy thing to make somebody squirt or to squirt. And there's like squirting championships. It's bullshit and i've heard people upset because they can't squirt i've heard people upset because they squirt too much i've heard people upset because they can't make somebody squirt i've heard people gloat because they can make anybody squirt it's just annoying (laughs) to me and it's not important have sex have fun make it like a beautiful fun experience and if like juices are seeping squirting squishing whatever is happening is happening don't make it a goal it's annoying <laughs> that's my soapbox moment about squirting <laughs> and thank you for coming to my TED talk <laughs> I don't know why I think it's so funny I just it's- love it so much thank you for sharing Epi you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> So we're excited about the changes and we are excited about continuing to grow with you. If you are interested in continuing to help us change the noise about what's going on around us, then we ask that you share and like and review this podcast. We say it every single week and some of you hear me say this and do not do it. I'm going to put on my mom voice right now. I'm going to say, okay, this is what I need you to do. I was going to say shame on you, but we don't have shame in this community. No shame. So no shame. So no, not shame on you, but maybe please and thank you. (laughs) 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 Take take a second and share and say to somebody, be like, listen to the Gary's Fox podcast. It's amazing or insert whatever adjective you want to put in there or like or review us you can go onto instagram and if you wonder i do this often i like go onto the instagram to see what people's faces look like because i hear their voices and often i go on i'm like that's what they look like so if you have not seen us if you haven't googled us or gone onto, you should go on and see what we look like Go on to Curious Foxes, go to Coach Effie Blue, go to at Jacqueline Misla, and you can find us there. If you go to our Facebook group, then you can continue to engage in this conversation. You can talk about the changes that you're going through towards the end of this year and all the changes in your relationship. You can ask questions. So you can find us there. And then, of course, you can find us on Patreon so that you can continue to support the change and growth of the community as we continue to change your change and contribute to your change and growth in your relationships. 
And if you have some topics that you would like us to explore here on the podcast, you can tell us in two different ways. One is by emailing us at listening at We Are Curious Foxes, or you can call us at 201-870-0063. You can leave a message. We will play it on the podcast, and we are going to talk about the topic that you have shared. Nice. And before we sign off, uh, it's important for us to tell you that this episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock. Our intro music is composed by Dave Saha, and we're so grateful for their work. And we thank you for listening. And as always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.